0: Welcome to The Third Wheel. This is the third third episode of Fires of Heaven, and today we're going to talk about chapters... Jesus, I've already forgotten. 13, 13 through,
1: through 22.
0: 22. I'm Tyler, the one who's read all of these books and also is fully caught up on Rhythm of War, cough, cough. And the voice you already heard was...
1: Jesse. I'm the person who is further in these books. I just recently finished path of daggers and have started winter's heart and i'm not loving life
0: yeah we're doing this out of order but finally is
2: it's me beyond the one who is just reading the selected chapters each week and i read this um three days ago today's it's friday now so yeah it's been three days since i've read them
1: your takes aren't as fresh as usual i know they be fermented
0: uh, they had some time to ferment because we had uh, both like a thirty-minute argument and also like a thirty-minute bonding session over this section. So hopefully, retain some of that essence. Yeah. Uh, spoilers. We, unlike Egwene, are not going to push women's rights back by twenty years during this <laughs> podcast.
1: Oh are the feelings about the section where Egwene abuses Nynaeve.
0: Uh, Abuses is a light term for what happens. (laughs) But yes, we'll get to it. Um, Sadly, we do not start there at the good part. We instead have to begin in a small room in Sienda.
1: Which is the name of chapter 13. God, I'm good. (laughs) There's like a stretch of chapters here where it's essentially Robert Jordan trying to like Set a very complete picture of Nynaeve and Elaine's situation and why and how they escape. And it feels a bit longer than necessary.
0: Yeah, I think I have. Yeah, I have two full chapters which contain a total of uh, five bullet points. Yeah. So we'll start with chapter 13. The pictures of an elephant. Yeah. Guess what? Bion didn't figure
2: out that they were elephants. I didn't look at the image. I was just trying to read this, you know? What do they call them? Like,
0: uh, boar uh, horses. Gi- giant boar horses. But also, the Shanchan name is Sredit. Sredit? She browsed Sredit?
2: It honestly just looked like Reddit with an S.
1: Yeah. Anyways, Elaine and Nynaeve are... Trundling along in a carriage. Is it yeah. her
2: name actually pronounced Nynaeve? Nynaeve,
1: Nynaeve.
2: That's how I don't care. uh Kate Reading pronounces it right. Nynaeve, yeah. yeah. Naive sounds like naive. I'm not sure if I like that. I think you're just doing word association because you've been awake for like twenty-four hours. Anyways, so Neneve is super bitter.
0: Yeah. This I you She's sorry. like
1: she's like peak terrible nanaev in this chapter yeah
0: like jesse you can back me up that eventually she does like undergo character development and become less awful i
1: mean the idea is that her awfulness is tempered by her good intentions but in this chapter it's just sort of like oh my god you're the most annoying
0: yeah for this right now she is intentionally being as awful as possible like she she does the thing where pardon you can continue
1: she does the thing where she orders Tom and Julian to speed up and then she's like slow down are you trying to kill us you fool men like oh my god
2: yeah she's she's peak ninave some might say her pride is smarting from having to play the servant
1: yeah yeah which you would think with all of her you know everything about her that you know you really shouldn't mind If you don't care about, you know, wearing pretty clothes and not being a rich lady, but it seems like you might care.
0: Yeah, she definitely cares. And she specifically has a part where she like is talking to Elaine and says and like Elaine says something about, oh, well, we can just we'll catch a boat on the river, make our way down to the coast and then catch another boat. And there's always boats going everywhere once you get to a large city down at the coast And Nineveh is like, she's been out of the palace for like 30 minutes. She doesn't know anything about the world. And it's like, Nineveh, how long have you been out of like the definition of a backwater? Because it's only 35 minutes. She doesn't
2: do well when she's not a position of respect or authority. And when she's not knowledgeable in an area, she She tends to be really defensive, really, really defensive about it. Yeah, she lashes out.
1: It's a pretty good encapsulation of her character. Anyways, anyways she gets better later. A, Anyways, they run into a menagerie.
0: Yeah. Uh, run by Valen Luka. Valen Valenluca? I don't remember how they pronounce it. I'm saying Valen. Uh, don't worry, I'll change the pronunciation every time I say it. Uh, there's performers. Bears, lions, dogs, and elephants.
1: Giant um, boar horses.
0: Yeah, I think there's also a fantasy creature in there. They couldn't figure out what it was, but there was something they described that didn't sound like a real animal.
1: I mean, it might be a Shonchan animal. Disgusting.
0: So after they insult him, which <laughs> Bjorn had some thoughts about, like... That's so
1: rude. You don't no, she, do that. She hands him a silver penny and says, if you took a decent job of work, you wouldn't have to beg. Drive on.
2: <laughs> Ninave has some conservative values, which I think really need to be overturned. That girl needs to be radicalized. Like,
1: you're literally sitting on a chest full of gold that a queen gave you.
0: She, so here's the thing. Like, she's sitting on a chest full of gold, and then that chest full of gold is sitting on two more chests full of pieces of paper that each say, give this person another chest full of gold. And she's like, I'd like to offer you a single dollar and some advice. <laughs> Get
2: My tip is get a better job. Minimum wage jobs are for high schoolers.
0: Yeah. I'm so triggered right now. Uh, yeah, she's she's awful in this chapter. <laughs> Guys, I promise she gets good seven books from now. 20 books from now. Oh, there's not that many.
1: They're like the length of 20 regular books. Oh, Jesus.
0: Actually, to be fair, we were talking before we started... Uh, hitting the record button and Jesse described the end of book eight. And I literally didn't remember what he was talking about.
1: Events occur and they don't mean anything. I
0: don't even know that he, he might be lying. Like it's possible that that thing that he said doesn't even happen. It, I don't remember it anyway. We're still on the second bullet point. So they get to the next town over, which I didn't write down the name cause it doesn't matter. Um, uh, but the place is full of white cloaks, which, hey, we'll come back in a couple chapters. But for now, they're mostly just like, uneasy, Elaine is playing the lady. And once they finally get up to the room, Nineveh is like, it's time for a jump into Tarantula. It's been a while. It's been, some might say, long enough that Robert Jordan feels the need to repeat all of the concepts, in case you forgot. It's been a while. Since we've had any meetings in and Riyadh,
1: it's what chapter 14's called.
0: God, I'm just like, I don't want to take time on the recording, but sometimes I do just stop and be like, I'm so good at this.
1: Beyond, can you hit them?
0: Yes. Well, the problem is that they're holding sharp needles. So? Uh, I'm scared. You remember what I was like in
2: middle school? This fits. Yeah, actually. I, sp-
1: I specifically remember something in the realm of like a pound move where you would take a pencil and pound it into my arm.
2: Yeah. I was not exactly a friendly person.
0: <laughs> so they say that, but Beyond's face did have like kind of a oh, blissful oh. nostalgia. <laughs> Well, when By you're the way, kid... we've all
1: known each other for 20 years.
2: Yeah. Which is so weird. Oh no, beyond no. thinking. we're continuing onwards to Tarantula, and I had to remember who the heck these people are and why they matter.
0: Mm, you don't have to. Yeah, you don't have to. I pulled out my book that explains who every character is. You could have just used that. And I looked at it the, and then decided to ignore it. yeah. I have that Wheel of Time compendium thing. Anyway, Nanave's in tarantula. Not,
1: and she's not dressed in stout Two Rivers wool.
0: No, she's dressed in like six outfits over the course of this chapter. Oh, gosh.
2: Like, I like fashion. I think it's fascinating. I think it tells a lot about a culture and the various societal things. Wool is so itchy. The
1: problem is that Nanave pretends that she's above it. If she wasn't pretending like she was above caring about her clothes, it wouldn't be annoying.
2: She's the girl that I'm not like other girls. I'm a strong girl. I'm a wisdom. I had a position of power in my village, and I, I know better clothes. than you. And that's not great because <laughs> that's not solidarity, ma'am. First off, saying you're just not like a you're not like other girls is also problematic. It's just like, I feel like we all know people like Neneve. You know
1: who know who else isn't like other girls? Brigitte Silverbow.
0: <laughs> uh, please, it's pronounced Birgitta. Whatever. Birgit. Every time I have to hear it in the audiobook, I feel the need to say it. Uh, yeah, the first part of this chapter is pretty much just like, Running back through how Teleranriad works and how Brigitte works. Yeah.
1: Her boyfriend's been reborn into a new person.
0: Whose name is not Oliver. Are you sure? According to word of God, it is not Oliver. I disagree. <laughs> how does it feel to know that the word of God is wrong?
1: Anyways, Geidel Kane is now Oliver.
0: Guidel Kane is probably Oliver. Don't worry about how time works. Brigitte, they ask if she can, like, continue to spy on the Forsaken. She's like, heck yeah. Neneve says, can I tell everyone that you're spying on the Forsaken? She says, heck no. <laughs> and then she leaves.
1: Neneve is real shook at the idea of seeing Mogedian
0: Yeah, we get to see Mogedian later. Although, most of that chapter is worthless. I kind of like that chapter, actually. I mean, reading it is fine, but, like, as far as information that is valuable to the plot yeah not very none so eggy and the wise one show up don't remember what the wise one's name is but it's one of the hot ones (laughs) that's how she's described don't at
1: me yeah nanaeva is worried that she's gonna steal lan
0: she's like why is this woman looking at lan's shoulders i don't know what the fascination is with shoulders like are you asking for real or are you just like I mean, if you have an answer, you're free to provide one. But like, I can't imagine what the answer could be.
2: Probably like broad shoulders, strength, support. Land
1: is usually described as more like live looking. I don't really associate that with broad shoulders.
0: I mean, he's like very um, old. Yeah, he's very old. He is like, (laughs) uh, did I actually write down that one or did I just write down the Tom one? I,
2: I was so... Un- I know this is for a later chapter, but it made me so angry.
0: Yeah, we'll talk about the Tom age gap later, but I think the um, like lan age gap is still like 21, 22 years. A, literally
2: like a baby right now, and us. Pretty unfortunate. No matter how mature you are, and honestly, she doesn't seem very mature to me considering her continued behavior, that doesn't justify a 20 year age gap.
0: Yeah, 20 plus years might be too much to ever be surmounted. I'm sure there are examples in real life, but like Jesus the power Christ. dynamics. Jordan, could you just not? Can you be with me on this one?
1: Anyways, Nanaeve pretends like she didn't get drugged and got totally not owned. Yeah. I'm not owned. I'm yeah. not owned. <laughs>
0: Yeah, she's like, we we owned that lady because I recognized that I was being drugged and then decided not to get drugged after I had already tasted it. Don't worry about it.
1: I like that in the next chapter, Neneve identifies this lie as like the moment she lost her moral high ground oh, and was now subservient to Egwene.
0: This this next chapter sucks. We're, I have so many bullet points for I this don't chapter. I do not Ish. Oh. <laughs> anyway nothing happens nothing happens in this discussion it's just hey land sure is hot don't talk about how hot he is only i can think about how hot he is okay good talk bye and then they disperse chapter 15 what can be learned in dreams is that eggy sucks <laughs> eggy is problematic so Ninave teleports to the tower to meet up with eggy um uh, for reasons that we find out later, she can't teleport directly into the Amarlin study, which I thought was interesting, and I got to explain to beone which always makes me happy. Uh, because the fish lady's player. no longer
2: there. Yeah. And so their knowledge of what was that place is not real anymore.
0: Yeah, I was trying to explain, like, the metaphysics of how Teleranriad Riyadh works. How does teleport? How does this teleport different from that teleport? It's one of those where, like, I bet you could travel into that room, but you couldn't skim into that room. Anyways. Anyway. Uh, so once they are in the Armelin study, Eggie, like, loses her mind. <laughs> she, like, pops off at Nene for, like, a full page. It's kind of crazy. Uh, I didn't pull it out as a quote, but, like, oh, my God. She just immediately loses it. The first thing sh- she says is,
1: You should be frightened. You are a fool in the neve. A child in a barn playing with a candle.
0: Yeah, and like, it's just... It's subpar. It's,
2: it's unhealthy relationships and how they relate to each other. Robert Jordan's interpersonal decisions frustrate me. This literally just feels like a... Uh, Aegy, because she's been hardened by the suffering of the Eel in the desert, has something to prove.
1: Well, what she's trying to do is that she's trying to humiliate Nene so much that she'll never mention these excursions to the Wise Ones, because Egwene is trying to hide from the Wise Ones that she has been doing the thing that she's currently berating Nene for.
0: Right, and which Egwene, like, in her own... Inner monologue is, like, admitting is wrong on a whole variety of levels. And is like, I know that literally everyone tells me not to do the thing that I'm doing, but I gotta do it. You don't understand. I gotta do it.
1: And Neneve, you're a fool for doing that same
2: thing.
0: <laughs> yeah, like... Neneve can't call my bluff. Neneve isn't even doing the same, like... Neneve is a garbage person to Elaine... But, like, Eggie is specifically disobeying multiple people and saying, I know that they literally know better, but I know better. Anyway, uh, Eggie, like, conjures some beast men to to tear off Neneve's clothes with what are literally described as horny hands. They tear off her clothes and are, like, about to start either eating her or kissing her. And the knave's like crying and unironically crying and shaking. And Egwene's like, fine, but let this be a lesson to you. Never let your guard down. Never talk about what we're doing. Like Egwene now is not the time. You have made a variety of mistakes. This is not the situation in which you should be like, finally, I have the moral high ground. Friends don't terrorize the other
2: with sexual violence.
0: Friends don't threaten to create like basically create Darkspawn and have them rape you to teach you a lesson. Because you don't want to get in trouble for a thing that you know is wrong. That's not what good friends do.
1: Not a good look for our guy Egwene, Alvier.
0: Yeah. Uh, Egwene, back to the drawing board on this one. Um, uh, yeah, so not only does Egwene not apologize, she doubles down, and then the knave tries to compose herself after being betrayed by basically her closest and also only friend. <laughs> uh, I mean, she, like, is kind of friends with the boys, but, like... Egwene- in in the mom friend sort of way. Yeah. Elaine.
1: Well, Al- Al- She's kind of becoming friends with Elaine.
0: Yeah, I mean, tough, tough to remember after the last chapter with them, but yeah. I guess they are. Yeah, so they discover that Elida is Amarlin. They're sufficiently shook. And then this is what you mentioned, where Neneve is like, Okay, I figured it out. She freaked out at me because I lied about the Forkroot thing. I'm now going to apologize for doing so. And then Aggie's like, now that I've had some time to think on my actions, I know that the correct thing to do is to triple down. <laughs> and like, as Ninave is trying to apologize, Eggy's like getting worse with the rudeness and then makes a concoction in Telleller and Riyadh that's like a punishment for lying, but Nanave also, without being prompted, except for the attempted monster rape, like, admits that she is wrong. She's like, I know that what I did was the wrong thing, and that must be why my only friend is mad at me. I'm going to admit that I lied and apologize. And Aggie's like, I know what to do. Punish her for telling me the truth.
2: Yeah, usually I try to give Aggie the benefit of the doubt because she is really young, but this chapter was a series of not okay.
0: <laughs> yeah, Uh. don't worry. It gets worse. Uh, Read wheel of time, it's great Yeah, uh, Nenev Refuses to cut toxic people out of her life And they part ways
1: uh, That would mean she'd have to cut herself out of her own life Oh
0: man <laughs> Sounds like uh, Well, I can't even say it It would be a spoiler Anyway, so now we switch to Eggie's point of view She wakes up in her tent And she's like, man I am mission really accomplished. Cool. Yeah, I'm really great for how I handled that one <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Big, like, mission accomplished pops up on screen. Thanks, Eggie. Really, uh, in your own internal monologue being, like, in her, she's thinking the thing that I said where she's like, God, I'm good.
1: Pray slaughtered. <laughs>
0: oh, God. Oh, no. Uh, a subpar reaction from Eggie for her actions towards what is probably her oldest friend. Anyway. And mentor. And also Mentor. And then she's like, I know what I'll do. I'll go face the freezing cold where like literally ice or water freezes over as soon as it's outside. To go gloat about what just happened to Rand. (laughs) And then when she sees that Rand is in the middle of something, she's like, well, Moraine's probably awake. I can go gloat to her. So she literally goes over, has a little check-in about Elida... And that whole situation. And Moraine's basically like, well, the wheel weaves as the wheel wills. do 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 My best friend is probably dead, whatever. It'll be
2: fine. Moraine's doing a lot of compartmentalizing at this point in time. She just needs to get Rand to
0: listen, but, you know, that's going real well, as per usual. <laughs> Moraine's like, sorry, Egwene, what did you say about Suan? I can't hear you over the flapping of all these death flags I'm raising. <laughs> Uh, And then the chapter ends. Thank God we're out of Egwene's head. I was happy to not have to be in there much this section. So we do get an unexpected offer for Neneve and Elaine.
1: In chapter 16, an unexpected offer.
0: I figured that that was implied. Wow, so smooth. So transition.
1: I'm going to try to do it for all of these. Not everyone is looking at these chapters as we're talking like we are.
0: Uh, do you think that there's literally anyone on this earth who doesn't have the chapter titles of every Wheel of Time book memorized? I don't. Uh, <laughs> fake fan detected. My god. Anyway. Oh, we passed 7,000
1: downloads, by the way.
0: Oh, nice. That's hey, cool. that's great. We're like a real podcast, despite for our... S-
1: for some reason, we had a spike a couple days ago.
0: That's, that's mysterious.
1: Weird. I didn't even like tweet anything.
0: Hopefully, it was a good spike that was like, hey, these people are good, instead of, hey, let's all download and laugh at these people. Cancel these people. Yeah, well, if we're getting cancelled, haven't really seen much of it yet.
2: (laughs) Anyway. We don't even swear that much. The only thing that could probably be said against us is we're pretty obviously left-leaning politically. And also...
0: Oh, I guess I'm pretty queer. Oh, also, we don't, we're not in love with these books. Oh, right. I mean, the more that I think about it, like, off air, the more that I, I know that I said it last time, but, like, these books are way more fun to talk about than they are to read. I have some thoughts about that. Okay. He's saying he loves reading them. (laughs) Well, no,
1: here's the thing. So, I just started Winter's Heart. Mm -hmm. And... The first six chapters of that book are Perrin and Fail viewpoint. Oh, no. Like six chapters straight. And then I looked on the wiki page, and apparently those are their only chapters in the whole book.
0: <laughs> so we
1: spend 200 pages in these viewpoints that comes to no actual conclusion that has nothing to do with the rest of the book. And then doesn't get brought up again for the rest of the book
2: are you're so supposed to catch this when you're, you know, like, reading over books? Like, it's hmm, like where's yeah, your plot few, going?
1: There's a few basic things you can do to fix this. A, spread it out throughout the book. B, make sure that there's a conclusion to the events that you're, like, building towards. C, like, have it be relevant to the rest of the story. But he just doesn't bother with those things. So what it ends up with is that this series is just a ton of events that happen (laughs) and it's like which is why it's fun to read about it on a wiki or talk about it with your friends but actually reading it is like a
2: nothing experience okay Tyler's cracking up but I understand what you're saying I, I
0: understand too it's just
2: okay For me, it feels like reading the first draft of something or someone's fan fiction of something. Because they have a lot of ideas, they have all these characters, they have this world built up, and they just have so many things to say. But the fact is, not everyone cares that much. And if you're telling a story, obviously fluff is great. You gotta fill in the bare bones of what you're talking about. But when you throw in a sudden pattern of six chapters of people that literally doesn't matter, it's exhausting. Are you writing and getting paid a penny per word? Why is this necessary? So it's... It's a lot better bullet-pointed. Not even the best fantasy when you start bullet-pointing, though, compared to more modern contemporary things. But for its age, That's the thing.
1: I feel like the events themselves, like when you strip away having to actually read them, are fun and interesting. But but like... A
0: series of events that occur. (laughs) Nothing happens.
1: Just so you know, since I'm probably muting Tyler, he's currently blowing out his mic by laughing so loud.
0: God! Okay, I've got it under control. A series of events that occur. Yeah, I mean... That's how all this started, right? Is like you, a couple of years ago, Jesse, asked me like, hey, should I read The Wheel of Time? And I was like, yeah, there's a bunch of cool stuff that happens. And I started talking <laughs> to you about cool stuff that happens. And then you were talking about reading it and I was reading it and I was talking to Beyond about cool stuff that happens because I remembered cool stuff that happens, not like how long the books are. I was remember. I think the thing that I was talking to them about was I was giving like a general overview of the thing that it won't mean anything until it happens. Dumai's Wells. And so like, I was talking about that and getting so hyped and thinking like, man, what a cool event that happens in that series of events that occurs. And <laughs> Bjorn was like, Oh, so I guess I'll read it. And then I said, oh, we should do a podcast. Jesse was talking about that. And like, that's how this all began was literally just me talking about cool things that happen until I got the two of you to read it. And like, one, maybe regret my decision. because It's, it's this- just us
2: getting overwhelmed by his fanboy and pure thrill and exhilaration. And then I'm feeling the thrill. ...steadily realizing that what he finds extremely thrilling is not the same as what I do. No,
1: it's... And then capturing that thrill in a perfect ruby.
0: Oh, this boy has read Oathbringer. Anyway, um, no, like, the thing that I... I would say totally not what you just said. Like, it's not that the things that I find cool aren't the things that you find cool. It's that when I was thinking about the things that I find cool... I forgot that there were like 800 pages in between the things that I was saying, hey, this really cool thing happens.
1: So, there are cool things that happen, but usually when you're telling a story, you have the events lead into each other in a thematically coherent way. In these books, the events lead into each other in the sense that one event is preceded by another in the flow of time.
0: (laughs) You could say time
1: is a wheel. It's like, yes, all of these events are leading up to Tarm and Gaiden in the sense that events come before other events.
0: Chronologically, (laughs) time passes.
1: But no, the cool events that happen are not thematically earned by the events that come before them.
0: No, this definitely feels like... uh not that we actually know the like real reason, it's just speculated why um, there's never going to be any more uh, Song of Ice and Fire books is like, like the problem is that he has created so many threads that all have to happen at least generally chronologically. Like, I think he can do the thing where he says like, and then they got on a boat. And then leave them for an entire book and be like, boy, that boat trip sure was a trip and not mm-hmm. give us uh, entire chapters of just sitting on a boat, which wouldn't put it past him, but isn't what's happening right now. Like, I feel like that's the problem is that too many threads are created that have to happen chronologically. And then you can't get to like the next thing too fast mm-hmm. because you have to bring uh, every storyline forward and even in a book like uh to give an example this one has no Perrin in it and mm-hmm. like like you were saying Winter's Heart starts with 200 pages of Perrin and Fail and then does not mention them like even if you're not doing I mean he'd have to do like two chapters each book of each viewpoint to bring every storyline forward but like even when not doing that Sometimes you have to leave a set of characters for so long that you end up with this book. These characters get six chapters. And that's all because I was with them for a while before and I'm going to be with them later. But like, can't do anything with them until we get there. Got to bring some other storylines forward.
1: Anyways, I think we've complained enough about the broad structure of the series.
0: Yeah, I will continue my... Like, I am glad that you examined that thought more closely, but uh, spoilers, that is the inception of this podcast was just me saying this cool thing happens. And like, now that Beone is reading them, I try really hard not to. And now that uh, Beone is reading Stormlight, I try really hard not to be like, boy, just read a Stormlight book. This cool thing happens, but even then, sometimes I'm like... He's very bad at hiding it. Sometimes I'm like, Jesse's not awake, so... owns my option. Anyway, what were we talking about?
1: Chapter 16, An Unexpected Offer.
0: God, we haven't even started this chapter. So the next morning, Neneve and Elaine are going over what they learned uh, the night before and arguing about what the next move is. Elaine wants to take a series of boats. Nanave wants to just stay on land, even though it's significantly longer. Uh, not because she doesn't like boats. Nanave hates boats, and not just because Nanave has, or not at all because Nanave has to have control of a situation, and so she can't surrender that control over to Elaine to control everything. Uh, but just because it's the more sensible option to take a coach. Wink, wink. They go downstairs and while they're sitting there with breakfast, they run into Galad, who, Whoa. St- still a lad is like, God, I'm good. Uh, he,
1: Oh, also one thread that we sort of skipped over is that in the dream, uh, Nineveh found a letter saying that there's a gathering of rebel Aes Sedai, but she just can't remember where. Oh
0: God. Yes, you're totally right. Um, uh, I didn't include that because I'm pretty sure it goes nowhere.
1: I mean, I think it gets paid off in this chapter, actually.
0: Anyway, Galad is a lad and he's here
1: to save us. Absolute lad. And the knave like.
0: The knave is like, I'm almost married. I'm almost married. I'm almost married. (laughs) She's like, no, I'm into guys twice my age, not a reasonable age to be in a relationship with.
1: That are also stunningly handsome,
0: uh, unbelievably handsome. Like, thank God he doesn't have much screen time with Rand, because Rand would be like, "This four person needs to become a five person situation." You know what I'm
1: saying, ladies? <laughs> My half brother is so handsome.
0: <laughs> half bro, what are you doing back there?
1: <laughs> and, anyways, he says Half-bro, he's a child I'm stuck
0: in the washing machine. <laughs>
1: Anyways, he says, I'm a child of the light, because it seemed the right thing to do.
0: Yeah. Like, he's such a good guy. He's a good man. But what, it, a, what a good Nazi parallel. What? Don't worry about that. What's important is that Elaine hates him. She's like, now that he's a Nazi, he's even worse. <laughs> uh,
1: and he's hey, really bummed that Egwene isn't with them.
0: Yeah. Uh, it's like... Oh, no reason. Just me and also Gawain were very worried. He mentions that he had to stop hanging out at the tower because Gawain fell in with the wrong crowd, and also there were the troubles. And it's like, oh no, don't call it that. Uh, he offers slash insists uh, on taking the girls back to Camelot in a tone that's very like, this is now what is happening. I know what's best for you. I mean, have you seen what Elaine and Neneve think is best for them? I, I don't trust them. I would never trust them. Filthy Aes which witches. Elaine is like, let me get right back to you on that. And then they, like, run out of the room. I think they mentioned, like, physically barring the door.
1: Yeah, it's sort of interesting how Elaine frames it. She's saying that he's being confronted with a situation where there are two right things to do, and he's doing that whole, like, robot stack overflow thing.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, which, like, he has slightly more depth than that. <laughs> he's almost like a real human being.
1: And she says to Tom, you must remember how much of a monster he was as
0: a child. <laughs> and Tom's like, he was too... <laughs> the most monstrous two-year-old you've ever seen. I mean, they're called
2: the Terrible Twos for a reason. Um, Fair. But yeah. Look, Tom, let me compare myself to when you were literally a father figure for me.
0: We're not quite there yet. And we're you were sleeping with get, my mom? Yeah. We're, no, 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 no. We're going to get to it. We're going to get to it. So Elaine puts out the call to the group. Hey, we gotta go. Everybody come up with a plan. I want a plan on my desk by 8am how we're gonna get out without him noticing. Uh, Spoilers, they do. They get out of town with barely any trouble uh, but they're living in a like, I didn't understand what their frustration was, but they're living in a cart instead of a coach. I mean, I guess it doesn't have doors. (laughs) Or it has a bad door. I'm not clear. Anyway, they join up with Val and Luca as they're preparing to like actually join up uh, they're not actually there yet Elaine remembers Tom from her childhood uh, and then the knave goes off on like a mental tangent for the next few pages about how proving how like it's not fine that Elaine is flirting with Tom and we'll get to the age gap in a second. But it is fine for her to do that to a father figure in general because um, sometimes women have to prove that they're women by harmlessly flirting <laughs> with their fathers. Is her words. A little harmless flirting with one's father is Gucci. <laughs> Says Nineveh. Um And how, like, it was Nineveh, perfectly natural.
1: Neneve Electra Alvier.
0: Yeah, also Nanave has... Almira. Yeah. Uh, also, she has internal monologue about, like, she knew a woman once who her father had died. The lady's mom was trying to get with an older single man. So, like, they were in a an appropriate age difference. And then the daughter was like, no, I want him. As a subconscious desire to prove herself as a woman to her own mother. And then once the man was like, no? (laughs) Then the daughter stopped wanting him because the mom had taken him. But she had still proven to her mom that she was a real woman by almost seducing her stepdad. Reminder that this book is written by a man. Yeah. So this is where Biona and I had a, I don't even know that it was like 30 minute argument, 30 minute, uh, like group brainstorm sesh. I think it was just like one continuous hour of talking to each other and like multiple phases to the boss fight. That was that conversation. Like what we ended up at is saying, that this is like, this whole series is like what I think a boomer thinks a, uh, wow, how am I forgetting the term? Matriarchy. A feminist matriarchy would actually look and like, it's a tough look, my guy.
2: We got into an argument because he kept saying that my accusations that this world is not a matriarchy and in fact has tons of patriarchal leanings was incorrect, um, and I got very upset about that because
0: uh, this is not a matriarchy. Uh, this is not a matriarchy. Yeah,
2: like
1: that's what I think it comes down to. Is it? A, it's a fedora wearer's idea of a matriarchy.
0: Yes. <laughs> I mean, have you seen the hat?
1: Yeah, he's a literal fedora wearer.
0: Oh. No, it's much grander than a fedora. That hat is like... Matt plus plus tier.
2: That man looks like he has a collection of katanas.
0: And sword canes. Yeah. Anyway... And
2: a lot of dragon paraphernalia.
0: Yeah, what it came down to... I mean, I had dragon... Anyway, what it comes down to is that... This is his version of trying to write that. And this is what he thinks it is. Because like while we do have things in the world of, you know, multiple queens who, I mean, not that it's great, but, like, can't be shamed, can't be tamed, the White Tower exists and is the primary political force in the world. Just nobody says it out loud. And then, like, the Aiel, uh, even back to, like, one of the first things that we ever see is the Women's Circle. Like, it all comes back to this idea that the women are the ones really in charge, but like, because he's a boomer, that's like his maximum power level. And we're, we're doing a training arc past that for the past 20 years, almost 30 years from the start of this uh, series. So like, while he tries to write that society where women are in charge, whether everybody says it or not, he still includes passages like harmless flirting with her father Yes, this is women. I have met woman before. Also, as part of this, Tom's age gap is unclear because his age is said twice and so it can be checked two different ways and it comes out very different. But between him and Elaine, there is either a 44 or a 53 year age gap. And that's very bad. That is... A- Anyways, we still have
1: five chapters left to talk about.
0: Oh, I wasn't done popping off, but I guess we can move on. <laughs> Beyond, did you have any pop-off about the uh, twice the difference between myself and my parents? Gr- greater than the difference between you and your parents.
2: I had a lot of discomfort with this because, I don't know. Y'all keep being like, wow, Neneve's so cool. And she keeps doing things like this. And we finally reached a point of balance when we concluded that this book is tinted or tainted through his own worldview. And so therefore, even if he's trying to potentially have a certain intent, it's coming across very poorly. And I don't know, uh, good job trying to have female characters talking with each other about things, but too often it seems to be about the boys or about some other random man or trying to one-up each other. And rivalries, great. Friends that challenge friends to be their best, great. Great. Friends who traumatize friends with sexual violence? Sure!
0: Friends If you that, must.
2: You know, bluff each other through their own lies to try and prove their intellectual superiority? It's, it's just disappointing. It's, it's a lot. It's a lot to read and very disappointing. I have read too many words and none of them make me happy. <laughs> and- this is a book for entertainment. I'm not exactly learning about the history of vague Eurasia. It's supposed to be for entertainment, pleasure, gaining something from this. What I am gaining is further distaste for literature written <laughs> by presumably hetero, <laughs> cis, aged White men.
0: Beyond, like, I read chapters 14 and 16 of Fires of Heaven, it's making me have a distaste for the ability to read books. Like, is it regressing your desire to be literate? See, this is why
1: we alternate with Brandon Sanderson books now.
0: Yeah, God. Like, uh, like, no joke, I actually have been thinking about that, not just because I... Like, Both just because Rhythm of War came out, but also like because I can see it. Like I can see the through line from this to that. And I can see where like Brandon Sanderson read this as a child and then he did it better. And like that almost is useful enough to justify almost is useful enough. To justify reading these books. Just like to be able to see a one-to-one comparison of this character, this relationship, this event, this theme brought forward by the 20 to 30 years.
1: Anyway, let's continue to be a student of the genre by progressing through this section.
0: Doesn't sound like something. Uh, my guy, we're reading Wheel of Time. <laughs> I think it's time for us to have another four hours Uh, discussing the quality of wool yeah actually a bunch of these go pretty quick uh, at this point Uh, not reading but i think discussing uh we'll just head over west to now that one didn't work (laughs) i'm heading west to get to the next chapter 17 heading west god you bet you're gonna keep both those in huh yeah, my track record broken. Twenty five years is never a dropped joke. <laughs> Everyone a banger, <laughs> all to be brought low by chapter seventeen of Fires of Heaven. I'm gonna have to be adding West to get away from
2: this. This is us after two days in a row of our twelve hour night shift.
0: Yeah, this we're on our like oh also the oh. What? We're going to have to move fast. I think the weed's kicking in.
1: <laughs> Dude, we gotta go. We gotta go.
0: <laughs> my God, we gotta not be here anymore, man. Chapter 17, heading west. So after they escape the town and the absolute Galad don't know why they'd want to. I want Galad to adopt me as my <laughs> half-brother. Um sorry half bro real life half bro, you're nothing to me in light of Gallon. Wow, he's actually read most of these books, he would he would probably understand. Uh so they escape town. And, anyways, it's time to join the circus. Yeah, it's hey boys, it's circus time. Uh they meet up with Luca who's like Are you back to insult me more? Uh, and Elaine's like, no, we're back to hand and you-
1: And names like, yes.
0: And names like, is that on the table? Because I thought we were going to need you, but like, since you said it. And Elaine's like, no, we're back to offer you a bunch of money to hide us. He's like, I guess I can accept that. He's like, I can accept a large amount of money. Ah, oh, my one weakness, bribery.
1: I'm going to do cartwheels on your tightrope. Yeah. Um. So Elaine's Not like- Not a euphemism. No,
0: no, 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 no. Uh, at one point, Val and Luca is like, can it be a euphemism? And the Nave's like, it is not a euphemism. Uh, so, yeah, Elaine's like, is that that thing that that guy that just died did? And Val and Luca's like, yeah, you want to go hang out on it? And Elaine's like, sure. So she just um, goes up in his tightrope walking uh, with like. It's like playing bowling with the little rails up, (laughs) except it's tightrope walking. Am I wrong?
1: Magical cheating.
0: Yeah, magical cheating. She basically creates, like, panels to walk on, which is cheating. I mean, if you can, why not, though? That's fair. She's like, Julian, get up here. (laughs) I'm... I'm your boss, and I'm telling you to get up here. Or you're fired. And Julian's like, not during COVID. So he goes up and tightrope walks. Um, Tom is, like, juggling enough that Luca's like, that's fine. And then he, like, switches it. So he's doing the same level of difficulty using each individual hand. Like, I'm not sure how he was... Because they describe... It's, a total, it's just good juggling. It's just good juggling, but it is like 12 balls per hand. Big, manly, neat hands, <laughs> I guess. They do they literally mention the attractiveness of men being partially based on their hands, which like Jordan, if you've got a thing going, that's Jordan fine. Jordan has
2: some clear kinks and they show.
0: Anyway, Tom For
1: anyone who's for anyone who's a listener of the Storm podcast, Tom Marilyn He's very good.
0: Wow. Jesse's plugging other podcasts. That's fine. We're supposed to do that. Uh, Anyway, Tom is super overqualified and Nave's like, their overqualification makes up for me not Uh, qualifying. It's like a group performance check. We also learn two things. Uh, during this whole section where they're integrating with the uh, circus. The Kyrenin, uh Illuminator? No idea what her name is, but I know who she is. Aludra. Aludra, right. Um, the one who they got kicked out of the chapel house for, like, exploding it. And then Matt saved in a barn. Yeah, Matt saved and got some explosives... As a quest reward. So she's hanging out with them now. And then they go to meet Sarandon. Who is. An obvious Shan Shan woman. Taking care of the elephants. And she. Makes sure to take a little detour in the dialogue. To give us a little. Peek into the genealogy of these elephants. (laughs) Like. Would you like to hear about my special
2: interest? Elephant genealogy.
1: When I was reading this. I was like. Oh man, we're gonna get the learn not to be racist arc. And then I realize
0: wait, we did that last book. Are we gonna do it again? <laughs> Don't worry, my friend. We can keep doing the same arc. So, Sarandon, upon discovering that Elaine is any level above a peasant, she uh, pledges her eternal, undying loyalty. And then, thankfully, we move on from this storyline for the rest of the section. So we get to chapter 18, which it sounds like Jesse has more thoughts on than I do.
1: I mean, it's just about how horrible Leandrin is. There's literally the line, Leandrin breathed contemptuously. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Like, hey, Harriet. Yes, Brandon? (laughs) How do I make sure people know Leandrin's a, a bad character? Like an evil person, not necessarily poorly written, but just like... Not a nice lady. Well, have I got the adverb for, for breathing for you? You said Brandon, not Robert. Well, that also works later. Brandon Sanderson writes them the later ones. I'm just, I'm just excited for the later ones. Uh, Leandrin is in Tanchico, and so is Mogadine. Everybody's evil. Everybody sucks. Mogadine's like... I have a piece of information to reveal to the readers. It's that I don't like (laughs) (laughs) Nanave. Wow. I don't know if you all heard. Nobody's clapping, so I just wasn't sure. Like, thanks. We definitely couldn't infer that from the number of times that Nanave specifically thinks. Mogadine definitely hates me now.
1: Also, Leandrin talks about how much she hates Nanave, saying that she hates... Saying that Leandrin loathed all wilders. Dreaming of being Black Aja, she herself had begun learning to channel a full year before going to the tower, but she was in no way a wilder. I hate
2: myself, and therefore I hate you too. Wow,
1: yeah. that's a way more sympathetic
0: version of an interpretation of the <laughs> I mean, also, like, yeah, sympathetic to the writing, I think. It's yeah. the same for the character. Uh, I
1: also... I mean, there's literally a line where she talks about uh, how she doesn't like the cook saying she did not like men looking at her, and she had spoken sharply to him on her first day here about the way his gaze sometimes lingered. I mean, he that's He tried fair. to deny it, but she knew men's vile habits.
2: Men, don't look at me. <laughs> Keep your eyes downcast. Um, Robert Jordan, this is what feminists like. Is,
0: is this a an SJW? <laughs> Gosh, I had some... Oh, yeah, also, like... Hey, if you didn't pick up on Lantern being bad from it, She Breathed Contemptuously. Uh, it's that she like grew up dreaming to be part of the thing that is probably used to scare children. Because it's like a rumor that you get beaten for repeating if an actual Aes hears you. Yeah.
1: And she says her whole motivation is to like live in a palace and be powerful.
2: Like, girl, there are so many ways you could have done that. Yeah. And here you are pledging yourself to an eternal darkness, like...
0: You know what it sounds like Leandrin's having a lot of? Memories? Not not enough
2: father figures
1: to flirt with? (laughs) A lot of of chapter 19 memories. Yeah.
0: Dang, you did that one a lot better than I did. This is a long chapter. Oh, God. Well, I only have two... Uh, bullet points. So basically Morgays
2: is suffering, but she comes to realize that she's in a very bad
0: dream. Uh, yeah, she, I mean, I barely even included the part before she realizes what's going on. But yeah, she basically comes out of the haze, uh, long enough to talk to Talonvor. I think he comes to her. I'm not clear. Um, he's the last loyal man in basically all of Andor. She's like, I gotta get out. He's like, that's what I've been saying. (laughs) Uh, So they hatch a little plan, but Morgays is like, gotta get Linny out with me.
1: Well, whatever. Slightly out of order, but whatever.
0: Yeah, so she goes to visit Linny, like you said, and during it, Lenny talks herself into coming too. Also, some pretty, like, pretty slut-shamey comments from Lenny. About Morghese in here. Uh, I think the comment is uh, something about showing goods you are not willing to sell when she's wearing her dress with whatever neckline is described.
1: Then there's like, a, when she says that, Morghese is like, you just made that up. And then Leany says, at my age, if I make it up, it's still an old saying. Yeah, I did actually really <laughs> like that. As Darius from Atlanta would say, everything's made up, stay woke. Wow.
0: Bion is smiling. Bion is sighing. Tired. Yeah. So we, uh, once they get out of the uh, palace, they make their way to where they're going to meet Talonvor. And they meet up with uh, Basil Gill from the first He's book. back. He's, guess who's back? Back again. Basil Gill. <laughs> Tell what friend. <laughs> <laughs> uh There are also two characters who I'm sure have shown up before, but to be- I'm not sure they have. uh, I don't know if they were detailed enough that it felt like a character that we had already met was being described again so that we could put two and two together.
2: Every character in Robert Jordan's experience has a personality, a story, a favorite type of clothing fiber, and they all matter.
1: I mean, some people really like that. Like, when you hear people who like this series talk, that's the stuff they talk about. Yes. Like, the level of detail.
0: Also, don't know when the conversation changed from people who really like this series as not including us to people that like the series at all. <laughs> I mean, I, not including us. I'm not going to go
1: to so far as to say I don't like it.
2: I don't like it.
1: They said it. The podcast over.
0: (laughs) Bion, you said the quiet part out loud. I don't know. I don't hate it. It's just like it is definitely a reminder that if you're not into the like pace where you get to see every moment of every character's life. I think it's probably better experienced from a friend who does enjoy that and is telling you about all the cool parts.
1: Speaking of the cool parts, Padden Fane steals his dagger back.
0: Yeah. Uh, He's like, "Mm, dagger, dagger, dagger.
1: And he finds out that um, Elida's Keeper of the Chronicles or whatever the hell that title is, is Black Aja.
0: Yeah. What's her name? Uh, Alviaren. Wow, I didn't think you'd get that. I mean, I'm looking at it right now. I am also looking at it. That's fair. Um, Yes, Keeper of the Chronicles. Good job on remembering the title of that job. The single most competent Black Aja. (laughs) So Padden Fane uh, tricks, not really tricks, I don't know. He lies to Alviaren without actually saying anything wrong.
1: I mean, he essentially says that he's like a high-ranking dark friend, which is true, but there's more to the story.
0: Yeah, he's like, if you're asking for my qualifications, you're not a high enough level, low enough level? He lives underground. You're not a high enough level to even understand what my qualifications would be.
1: Your thetan levels are too high.
0: <laughs> you can't just bring up Scientology.
1: I'm surprised I remembered the term. Are we going to get murdered by Scientologists?
0: Oh, God. Yeah, if this is the final episode, it's because we got disappeared. She lets Fane escape to chapter 20, Jangai Pass. <laughs> oh, boy. That was great. That's a weak, that's a weak one. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Woo. I had so much time to come up with a good one. And yet here we are. And yet here we are at this Rand chapter in Jengai Pass. Uh, he's getting lessons from Moraine and they're like actually useful to him
1: as a person. But he's like totally zoning out. Yeah, he's
0: like got to stop thinking about Avienda's one leg. <laughs> we'll talk about it later. Uh, but Beyond called it out as soon as they read the section. They were like, Avi and a singular leg. It's like, I know, right? So they come to this like watch post slash town at the end of the pass. Uh, and it's clearly been visited by Uncooledon. <laughs> it's it was very Uncooledon. Yeah, he's doing some pretty Uncooledon stuff right now. Including, like, leaving bodies strung up as a warning. That's a big dick move. Except not in a cool way, just in the, <laughs> you're
2: a horrible person.
0: Yeah, the sense that you are the in.
2: Yeah.
1: And they take Wetlanders for Guy Shane. And Ruark's like, Guy Shane is a thing of G.A. Toe. No one can be made Guy Shane who does not follow G.A. Toe. And I just started Winter's Heart. And I say, if fucking only. <laughs>
0: yeah, right. How long should we be, Guy Shane? I think four books. Anyway, this book is happening. So um, after this little talk about how you can't take wetlanders as Guy Shane, uh, Rand has a discussion with some of the chiefs about how uncool Koolidin's being, and they uh, basically decide we gotta we gotta catch up. We gotta go. Once the scouts are back, we're gonna go. Uh, but first chapter 21, the gift of a blade didn't even try. No, it wasn't (laughs) going to work. Decided to move on with my life. So for the first part of this chapter, um, it's just kind of Rand and his friends ambling about like nothing. Sort
1: of like checking in with everyone.
0: Yeah. Like nothing is really happening. They're all just kind of walking around being like, did you, did you have a line here? Is the plot happening?
1: Rand has a moment where he's, like, thinking about the people that Kulin killed. And he's like, he took responsibility for what... Rand. Rand only took responsibility for what he was accountable for, if only to himself. And I'm like, I can tell you for a fact going forward that's not true. Yeah. If fucking only. Yeah.
0: (laughs) You keep saying it. Um,
1: It's like, he sees a random woman's corpse, and he's like, I gotta remember her name for all time.
0: Yeah, he's doing the, like... Please send me the casualty report after the battle. (laughs) Except it's not even that. It's like this person died of old age before I could win Tarman Gaiden. (laughs) This is my fault. If I'd been stronger, if I'd been harder than stone, harder than Quendalar, maybe I would have been able to win Tarman Gaiden. Five
1: books earlier. Five
0: books earlier, when this woman was still alive. God. Anyway... So during this walking around, looking for the plot, Avienda's like, I killed this cool snake. (laughs) And Rand's like, wow, that is a cool snake. You sure did kill it. So they go into his tent together, and then she gives him a new heron marked blade, which was uh, whatever the king's name was, the tree killer.
1: I can't save you on this one. That was
0: your cue to have taken a note about it that I didn't. Looks at trees. Looks at trees. Kills trees. (laughs) Is king. I know three things about him. Yeah, so it's his like totally ceremonial, uh, daddy bought it for me, heron marked blade. Uh, And Ran's like, this is the greatest gift you could give me, but the only thing that you gave me was the blade, so you can sell the hilt, and scabbard. And Avian's just like, thank god. I she's have like no the opposite money. of that. Well, she's like, I hate you. <laughs> your words say I hate you, but your mind says I hate you. Um, She really is like, I hate you. Please don't give this to me. The only reason that I'm accepting it is because it's worse to accept to not accept a gift than it is to accept a gift that shames me. But I also wish you were dead. And in Rand's inner monologue, he's like, it's, she's probably lying about how much it didn't cost to get that sword. Like, she's probably completely destitute. They talk about wedding customs for the Aeol for a minute, until Avienda makes herself too mad and is like, it is sleep time now. So Rand drifts off to sleep, having dreams about having a wedding with Avienda that Min and Elaine support. Which has nothing to do with his inner feelings, I'm sure. Again, Robert had some kinks and it shows. Yeah. If you listen, some say if you listen close, you can still hear them in Bird Calls by Night, Chapter 22. Uh, we're finally in Matt's head. Thank God. It's been a while. He is receiving a uh, nude massage from Melinda, <laughs> both... Both of them are nude in this scene. He's thinking about the far future and his new far past. um, And he's thinking about how hopefully his destiny doesn't actually matter because he just kind of wants to party for the rest of his life. He's like, I am the bachelor lifestyle given form. Except there's this girl in the future. The daughter of the nine moons. You don't know her, right? Nope. (laughs) Nope. So during this tantric massage, uh, <laughs> Trollocs' deck, uh, Melinda's like, good, I was ready to die. And she just runs out in the nude to go fight Trollocs. A lot of Aeol do. Yeah, it's actually like a lot of lot of words spent on telling us how nude some of these Aeol are. Look at how wild they are fighting naked their bloodlust. Anyway... Melindra goes to help fight them off. And then uh, Matt grabs his spear and medallion. It's and really cool spear. It's really cool spear. Don't It's not a euphemism. It's just a cruel cool magic spear. <laughs> um any like 1v1s Emergel, which is the entire description of this fight is like how sick it is that he fights and beats this Murdral. And then it really turns Melindra on. Yeah. She's like, I am for sure into that. (laughs) She's like, I wasn't sure I was into that, but now that I've seen it, I'm sure. You're a good height boy. She's like, I like your height. I like that you killed a Murdral. We got a massage to get back to. Uh, So then we cut to Rand, who is having his own little battle up at the tent. He and Avienda are doing the thing where like, It looks like after you saved them, they shot you, but then the camera turns and it turns out that there was a guy right behind you. Uh, Except it takes place over the course of like two full pages. Uh, (sighs) Thankfully, most of the people in the scene are clothed. They kill the drug car and then like a small train of people come up to make sure that Ran's okay. I just thought it was really funny that like, Wise Ones approach. Are you okay? Yes. Okay, we'll go away. And, like, as they turn to walk away, like, Moraine and Lan were waiting right behind them patiently to make sure that Rand was okay. And so, after that, uh, after everybody's like, Rand, are you okay? He's like, yep, everything's great. Uh, He goes to make sure that Esmodian's okay, which...
1: My best friend and cool guy, Asmodian. <laughs>
0: yes, my best friend on this... Er- Friendship ended with Matram from Cawthon. Now Asmodian <laughs> is my best friend. Like, gotta make sure that my... Gleeman? Is okay. I really like my Gleeman. Uh, so he heads back to his tent... To try and get some sleep for the rest of the night. And we get a description of Avienda's sinful leg and then uh and then the section ends and we're free i I must have missed that it's a pretty specific description of this one leg this very provocative leg god doesn't like that you have your leg out of the blanket and that's the end i already said that was the end who's in charge of who's driving this podcast
1: no one Who's driving the podcast? But wait,
0: if I'm recording the podcast and you're recording the
1: podcast... Then who's going to plug our social media? It's going to be me. Then do it. <laughs> uh, so we have a Twitter, at WheelReading. Follow us on Twitter, and I'll sometimes remember to tweet out when an episode goes live. And also you can talk to us directly. It's pretty fun. Also a way to talk to us directly is to leave a review on iTunes... It helps people find us, and we love hearing from people who talk about it. Let me see if there's been any new ones since I last looked. Well, I tried to open iTunes, and it totally, like, crashed all my shit. Well, sounds
0: like iTunes. Thanks, Apple. So, anyway, this has been The Third Wheel. I'm Tyler. I'm Bjorn. And I'm Jesse. Thanks for listening to us whinge. We did the order different in the beginning than at the end. I'm gonna cry myself to (laughs) sleep.
2: Ages will pass. Myths, legends, it's okay.
0: (laughs) Not at all what we were talking about. But thanks for your input. We love you all. Please love us. Bye. Infinity Train.